Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Do you have someone in your life doing their best to navigate symptoms of PCOS, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome? Now you probably do and may not even know it because PCOS accounts for 80% of the ovulatory disorders diagnosed today and it can significantly impact our fertility and so much more. It's also important to note that millions of women have PCOS and don't even know it. Now, I can't tell you how many women reach out to me each and every week looking for solutions to reverse their PCOS symptoms, but they rarely know what is driving the issue. And since last month, September, was PCOS Awareness Month, I thought I would re-release an important episode on how to address the four types of PCOS and provide solutions for each type. Now, the first time I heard about PCOS, I was 25 years old. I remember getting a call from one of my best friends and she sounded so discouraged. And I immediately knew that something was wrong because she was always bubbly, always happy. But you know that feeling when someone is about to tell you some news that they're still trying to process themselves? It was that sort of news. And the reason why her PCOS diagnosis hit so hard was because of the information she was told by her doctor. Basically, her doctor told her she was not going to be able to have kids unless she explored infertility treatment options and that the only way to manage her PCOS symptoms was to get on hormonal birth control immediately. So how would you feel if you received this news? Devastated, confused, angry, Honestly, all three would be appropriate. And I can tell you that when she gave me this information, I was angry for her. And the first thought that popped into my mind was there had to be another way. And that is why I'm dedicating an entire episode to this topic. I want to shed some light on PCOS and the many options that you have to heal your body. Because here's the deal. PCOS is a series of symptoms that can be treated once we understand the root cause. There are so many different natural treatments out there and tailoring the right solution for you or that person that you love makes all the difference. I also want you to know that I've had a lot of amazing PCOS experts here on the show because this topic is not only near and dear to me, but I have a feeling that it could be near and dear to you. Some of those experts are Dr. Laura Brighton, Amy Medlin and Dr. Fiona McCulloch. So they're definitely worth checking out on the podcast. Now, I want to dive deep into the nitty gritty of PCOS in this episode. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is one of the most common endocrine disorders found in women. It's estimated that around 7 million women in the U.S. have PCOS, and about 50% of them do not even know they have it. The syndrome is present throughout a woman's life from puberty through postmenopause, and it affects women of all races and ethnic groups. Women with PCOS wrestle with an array of possible symptoms, far-reaching health implications such as increased cardiovascular disease and diabetes makes this 
already stressful condition more daunting. It's important to understand that PCOS is a set of symptoms. The key primary symptom is failure to ovulate regularly. Failure to ovulate is why you are deficient in estradiol and progesterone. It's why you have high testosterone and why you have developed secondary PCOS symptoms such as hair loss, acne, and infertility. If you have one or more risk factors, your risk of developing PCOS increases. The following symptoms, if present, may warrant a deeper investigation into the diagnosis of PCOS. Here they are. Acne, abnormal hair growth on the face, abdomen, chest, and thighs, overweight or obesity, thinning hair or bald spots, dark patches of skin, pelvic pain, infertility, anxiety, or depression. Now that you know some of the risk factors and symptoms of PCOS, let's talk about how it's officially diagnosed because women are misdiagnosed or diagnosed and don't actually have it all the time. A diagnosis of polycystic ovary syndrome can be made when at least two of the three of the following criteria are met. The first one is the ovaries are polycystic because 12 or more follicles are visible on one ovary or the size of one or both ovaries have increased. Number two, there's high level of male hormones, androgens in the blood. The symptoms suggest an excess of androgens such as excess facial hair or body hair growth, scalp hair loss, and acne. And number three, there is menstrual dysfunction such as a lack of periods or menses, that means menstrual flow has been disrupted, menstrual irregularity, or a lack of ovulation where the egg is typically supposed to be released, but it does not release, which can lead to lower estradiol and progesterone inside of the body because ovulation is necessary for an increase of progesterone and estradiol to be released into the luteal phase of your cycle. With these criteria, a woman can be diagnosed with PCOS even if she has regular periods or normal androgen levels because, again, there are different types of PCOS and different types of symptomology. This means women with PCOS can experience very different types of symptoms. Now, you cannot treat PCOS until you first ask, why in my unique case do I not ovulate? I say in your unique case because your reason may be different than someone else's reason. That's why there are so many different natural treatments And that's why only some may or may not work for you. It's important to really tailor what's going to work best for you. So let's go into the different types of PCOS that I see or that I know have been recognized. The first one, the first type of PCOS is insulin-resistant PCOS. This is the most common type of PCOS. This type of PCOS is caused by smoking, sugar, pollution, and trans fats. It has high levels of insulin to prevent ovulation and triggers the ovaries to create testosterone. It's important to run tests to detect insulin resistance as well as hormone testing. Now, testing for diabetes may only be mildly positive or even negative. Markers of insulin resistance may be positive, including elevated fasting insulin or a high homeostatic model assessment insulin resistance, known as a HOMA slash IR which is calculated involving the ratio of insulin to basal fasting glucose. If elevated, this is a sign of insulin resistance. Another marker you can look at is glucose insulin challenge test. Similar to the glucose tolerance test, except insulin is also measured. 
you will often see exaggerated or prolonged insulin responses in women with PCOS. You can also look at and may see high triglycerides or elevated GGT due to fatty liver disease. Again, insulin resistance begins in the liver before it ever goes to the pancreas. So we want to be looking at the liver when it comes to insulin resistance PCOS. The next one, the second type of PCOS is pill-induced PCOS. This type is the second most common PCOS. It gets developed due to birth control pills, which suppress ovulation. For most women, these effects do not last long, and they resume ovulating after the effect of the pill is over. But some women do not resume with ovulating for months and years, even after the effects of the pill are over. During that time, women should consult a doctor, especially a functional practitioner, and find out and get to the root cause of why ovulation has ceased. If you experience regular and normal periods before starting with the pill, then this might be a sign of pill-induced PCOS. Now, reproductive markers you want to look out for are going to be an elevated ratio of luteinizing hormone to follicular-stimulating hormone on day three of the menstrual cycle in women who have regular menstrual cycles. An elevated luteinizing hormone can be found across the cycle in women who have irregular menses. Also, something to be looking at, if your levels of luteinizing hormone or prolactin have increased in blood tests, this could be that sign. And prolactin can be increased, but the luteinizing hormone may not be increased. So just note that there's a couple different signs and symptoms that we should be looking out for, especially on the labs that can definitively tell us if we're dealing with PCOS, especially after you've taken the pill and you've come off the pill. You could also call this post-birth control syndrome, but oftentimes women do get PCOS when they come off the pill because the pill only masks symptoms and it literally shuts down your menstrual cycle. It's definitely not a recommended solution for PCOS. And clearly you can get PCOS because of the pill. Number three, inflammatory PCOS. In PCOS due to inflammation, ovulation is prevented. Hormones get imbalanced and androgens are produced. Inflammation can be caused by stress, toxins in the environment, inflammatory diet like gluten and dairy. Now, if you have such symptoms, you may experience headaches, infections, or skin allergies, and your blood tests may show that you're deficient in vitamin D. Your blood count is not normal. Increased levels of thyroid may be there. Also, you may show up for inflammatory markers as well. I'm gonna talk a little bit about how you can address this particular one and the other ones in just a moment. I want to give you number four first. So number four is hidden in PCOS. This is the fourth type. This is a simpler form of PCOS. Once the cause is addressed, then this type of PCOS can resolve pretty quickly. The other three types can take six to eight months. It's definitely a slow process, but this one can usually get resolved within three to four months, give or take. Now, common hidden causes of PCOS in this particular instance could be too much processed soy because it is an anti-estrogen and can block ovulation in some women. Now, a small amount of soy is totally okay, but if you're consuming a ton of it, it could potentially cause problems in your reproductive hormones. 
Not for everybody, but it's something that could potentially happen. Next, thyroid disease. This is a very big player here, and it also lends to type 3, inflammatory PCOS. And here's the deal. Your ovaries need T3 thyroid hormone to function. Also, pregnancy is super important with this as well. Your getting pregnant requires thyroid hormone as well. So this is a big one. This is oftentimes a big root cause for this hidden PCOS. Next is a vegetarian or vegan diet because of a cause of zinc deficiency. Your ovaries need zinc. And then last is an iodine deficiency because, again, your ovaries also need iodine. Ovaries need a lot of supplements, but these are big, big ones. So it's important to look to see if this is the case. Just note that you want to be careful with iodine supplementation, and there's a lot of great recommendations out there for that, but a lot of iodine can also cause a problem too. Next, artificial sweeteners. Yes, they're not just endocrine and neurotoxins. They can create and impair insulin and leptin signaling. So they are metabolic endocrine disruptors as well. Artificial sweeteners are a no-go as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, all sodas are a no-go as far as I'm concerned. They have no nutritional value whatsoever. Lastly is too little starch in your diet because your hormones absolutely need healthy, yummy carbs, so just be mindful. A ketogenic program can absolutely cause hormonal disruptions in your menstrual cycle and may lead to PCOS. So just something to think about, not in all cases, but if it's really extreme, it can definitely happen. Now you have a good, clear picture of the different types of PCOS, and what I wanna share with you is how we can specifically treat those. But I also want to quickly point out that there is definitely some overlap between these four PCOS types. It's absolutely no surprise that inflammation is a major cause of both the insulin resistance and thyroid dysfunction, which impacts type 1, 3, and 4. So again, certain, like it could be the same root cause potentially driving a couple different types of these PCOS. And at the end of the day, what we got to do is get to the root cause of this and in some instances, it could absolutely be inflammation, gut inflammation. It could be it could be big root causes like trauma. It could be a root cause like stress. It could be a root cause like hidden infections. And we're going to get into that in just a second. Now, becoming victorious over the symptoms of polycystic ovarian syndrome is not easy, but you can overcome your PCOS symptoms to live the life that you deserve. And that's what this is all about. So here are some natural treatment options for each type of PCOS, starting with the most common, because clearly it's the one that we, I see the most. Number one, insulin resistance PCOS. Here are some treatment recommendations that I love. Number one, no surprise here, you gotta quit sugar. Let me tell you what organ does not like sugar. All of them, all the organs, but especially your liver. And as I mentioned before, your liver is the first stop to insulin resistance. And your liver is also creating a fatty liver too because sugar converts to fat. I always say that insulin is a fat storage hormone and it's storing fat in your liver. So we wanna make sure that we're stepping down the sugar. And I honestly recommend quitting sugar, like all of it except for maybe berries, limes, and lemons for a good month or so. My 14-day hormone detox, we cut out all sugar except for berries, lemons, and limes because I want to reset insulin and leptin levels, also ghrelin levels as well. You have to give your body a break to reset those hormones. Please consider also gentle intermittent fasting. 
which works well to improve insulin sensitivity. The name of the game here is to get your insulin levels back on track. So start with 12 hours between dinner and breakfast, slowly increase to 16 hours and see how you do. Now I intermittent fast between 16 and 18 hours most days and I feel like it's made a huge difference in my overall function, especially with the metabolic hormones. Now best supplements for insulin resistance are curcumin, also known as turmeric, magnesium glycinate, zinc, Lopaic acid, so alpha-lopaic acid, omega-3 fatty acids, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and berberine. These are going to be really, really big players for that. Also, choline is great for liver support to help support that liver. I want you to also be thinking about loving your liver in general, especially because of the insulin resistance that goes on there. So a great episode to go back and listen to is episode 50 for liver loving recommendations. It's an amazing episode. It's one of our most popular episodes to date because I think we all know that we need to love our liver for hormone balance. The last recommendation I'm going to make for insulin resistance PCOS in terms of a supplement is going to be inositol. This is going to be great also for helping to create more sensitivity with insulin. Now, the pill is not a treatment for this type or any type of PCOS because it impairs insulin sensitivity. So improvement for type 1 PCOS, just note that it's going to be slow and gradual and can take about six to nine months. So it's really important to be consistent with your supplements, with how you're eating, with the decrease in sugar, and also supporting your liver. But here's the deal, is that all of these things are so great for you anyway. We know that insulin resistance leads to a lot of other problems down the road clearly including PCOS. So I think by supporting your body in this way is just a win-win overall. Let's dive into number two, pill-induced PCOS. Now the pill has a way of throwing off your hormones because of the synthetic hormones used inside of it. No surprise that this messes up our menstrual cycle and can temporarily throw off our hormones to the point that we get PCOS. It seems pretty crazy, but unfortunately it's so true. And so often women were put on the pill to manage menstrual cycle issues or acne or whatever it was. What's really heartbreaking is someone's put on the pill for acne, they had a normal running cycle and then being on the pill completely messes it up. So I'm really excited to give you some recommendations for getting it back on track. Now, a hormone test can identify if this is the case. As I mentioned earlier, if your levels of luteinizing hormone or prolactin are increased in blood tests, then this could be a possible sign that this is going on. If your luteinizing hormone is elevated, the best herbal treatment is peony and licorice combination. If your prolactin is a high normal, the best herb is going to be Vitex, also known as chaseberry or chase tree. Do not use Vitex if luteinizing hormone is elevated. Vitex stimulates luteinizing hormone, so it just makes things worse. Both peony and Vitex work on the pituitary ovarian axis. So it's working literally in the brain, and they are very powerful herbs. I recommend that you do not use them too soon or for too long. Do not take them if you're a teenager or if you have just come off of the pill. You want to give yourself about three to four months off the pill to normalize, And it may take longer. I know that when I got off of hormonal birth control in my early 20s, it took six months to get my period back on track and to see a normal menstrual cycle. But you want to give yourself that six to four months before you bring on these powerful, powerful herbs because it could actually make things worse. So just want to be mindful. You do not want to use peony or Vitex for more than 10 months in a row. 
and they should really not be needed for that long. If these are the right herbs for you, then they will work fairly quickly within three to four months. And then your period should stay regular after you stop the herbs. Do not take licorice if you have high blood pressure. And it always, I recommend talking to a functional doctor before you get on these to make sure everything is in alignment. Now, other supplements to consider are going to be activated B vitamins, magnesium glycinate, ashwagandha, and omegas. And then eating a really healthy hormone-driven diet is going to be important as well, whether you've got part three of my book or the hormone detox. Those are designed for hormone-loving foods and to support your hormones in a really big way. Number three, inflammatory PCOS. In PCOS due to inflammation, ovulation is presented, hormones get imbalanced, and androgens are produced. As I mentioned earlier, inflammation is caused by stress, which we know we can experience every single day, toxins in our environment, and inflammatory foods like gluten, sugar, and dairy. So here are some recommendations that I'm excited to bring to you. And this is a lot of what I talk about on the podcast all of the time. I mean, there's so many different episodes that we can refer to. Episode 52, we could talk about episode 100. These are all about how we can use food to get our hormones back on track. Number one, it's all about reducing stress and the exposure to environmental toxins like pesticides and plastics. It's going to be important to switch out your personal care products, your cleaning products, and your medicine cabinet products for non-toxic solutions. If you want to do it yourself, you can grab my Smart Mom's Guide to Essential Oils because I have over 100 recipes to create non-toxic solutions. That book is super cheap. It's usually like $10 on Amazon, and it has got so many great recipes. We literally make green cleaning products from Chapter 5 all of the time. It's my go-to resource. Next is eliminating inflammatory foods such as all wheat, dairy, processed foods, eggs, and sugar. I want to emphasize how clutch my 14-day hormone detox is as a great jumpstart for reducing inflammation and resetting your hormones. Early, you heard Corey. I did a little shout out for her with her experience with the 14-day hormone detox. It's specifically designed to reduce inflammation, support your liver, your gut, your reproductive hormones, and to reset your metabolic hormones like leptin, ghrelin, and insulin. And I've had many women with PCOS have great success, especially when they extend it up to 30 plus days. It's really important to listen to your body when you're doing a program like that. If your body's like more of this, then do it. I know for me with the Hajimoto's remission, I have been on that program for months because it's really what my body has been needing. It's also important to focus on gut health and to get your immune system back online. You can heal intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut, with zinc, berberine, and probiotics. Also, digestive enzymes are super helpful as well. Now, I love magnesium most importantly because it's an anti-inflammatory and it normalizes the adrenal hormones with the HPA axis. So there's something to be thinking about there. And then essential oils are phenomenal, again, for reducing stress levels, oils like lavender, cedarwood, clary sage, Roman chamomile, frankincense, sandalwood, I could go on and on. Even citrus oils like tangerine and wild orange are going to be phenomenal for reducing your stress levels. Now lastly, number four, hidden PCOS. Now I pretty much summarized this earlier. Again, this is the simplest form of PCOS. Once we can figure out that cause, we can get it resolved pretty quickly within a couple of months, maybe three to four months. And here are the hidden causes again, just in case. Too much processed soy because it is anti-estrogen and can block ovulation in some women. 
thyroid disease, and we have so many great thyroid episodes here on the podcast as well. We know that inflammation is driven by infections, is driven by stress, is driven by trauma. So figuring out, one, if you've got a thyroid disease, and there's great tests to look at. We've got so many great episodes to go back into. I'm trying to see if I could pull up a couple really, really quickly. I didn't have them in my notes. One of them that I love is 105 with McCall McPherson. What if your thyroid is actually the problem? That is a great one to dive into to kind of figure out what is going on there. And then you can begin to start to heal your thyroid issue if that's the case. Next, a vegetarian or vegan diet because it reduces zinc and it's absolutely necessary for your ovaries to function. Iodine deficiency is a big one. Artificial sweeteners, definitely kick them to the curb. Those are all going to be big signs. Those little things, those little tipping points that could be throwing off your ovarian function and causing PCOS. Lastly, I want to share some essential oil recommendations for supporting PCOS because it's so nice to have essential oils as a powerful tool in your PCOS toolbox. While upgrading your diet, your lifestyle, and your mindset are important pillars of thriving with PCOS, essential oils can help alleviate individual symptoms. Now, if you're using them correctly, then you're going to have great success in helping to reset abnormal patterns, they are especially beneficial when trying to balance hormones and insulin levels. Now, essential oils have a very strong impact on the limbic system. I know you know that because you listen to this all the time. And in this way, we can help restore hormone balance, release emotional stress, and impart the feelings of relaxation and well-being. In addition, essential oils can ease other common PCOS symptoms such as acne, hair growth, infertility, and insulin resistance. Also, women with PCOS are particularly sensitive to endocrine-disrupting chemicals. No surprise there because our liver is taking a beating. These endocrine-disrupting chemicals, as you know, are present, in our me- are present in our medications, household products, makeup, food, water, and the list is endless. We have a great opportunity to avoid these hormone disruptors, and we can do that with oils. They can literally help to replace a lot of these endocrine-disrupting chemicals in many of our household products. I know because we've done it in such a big way. If you ever come to my house, there's diffusers everywhere. There's oils everywhere. There's non-toxic products everywhere. Do-it-yourself remedies everywhere. And a lot of those come from the Smart Mom's Guide to Essential Oils book, in case you were wondering. I also have some in the Essential Oils Hormone Solution book, but not as many. So here are the best ways to use oils for PCOS. Number one, diffusing, aromatherapy. Oh my gosh. For many oils, diffusion is the easiest and most effective method. It can be accomplished in a variety of ways by having a little spritz, having a diffuser, breathing them in on your palm of your hands. I mean, you can wear them on your scarf. It's just such great ways to do that. And diffusion is going to get into the body. So just know that every single path that I'm going to mention here, they are systemic. Whether you're diffusing oils or you're putting them on topically or you're ingesting them, they're all going to get into the bloodstream. Next is topical. This is one of my favorite methods for PCOS because you can actually put them on the area of concern. And I've got some amazing PCOS blends in just a second that I can't wait to share with you. Now, one of my favorite ways to be using them is with a castor oil pack or with roller bottles because it's so easy to use them. I'm going to talk about some of the benefits of castor oil packs in just a moment. 
And then with ingestion, again, it needs to be, I always want you to be mindful when it comes to ingestion, that you're being really careful, that you have a very specific reason for doing it. Blood sugar stabilization is a good reason to do it, but just note that you want to be mindful. And a lot of oils on the market are not ingestible because they are synthetic or they are adulterated in some way. So just a heads up there. Now, here are my favorite oils for PCOS. Number one, the Beyonce of hormone essential oils, Clary Sage. She is the best all-around oil for PCOS. Clary Sage fights acne, relieves anxiety, depression, and stress, boosts hair growth, and most importantly, it helps to balance hormones and fertility. It's great for helping to boost progesterone, and it's great for helping to balance out estrogen. It is a sure winner here. Next, probably right close second, is going to be geranium. Geranium stimulates the adrenal cortex. It helps to support the HPA axis to reduce stress, balances emotions, alleviates anxiety and depression, and it's great at improving focus and getting rid of brain fog. It's particularly good for balancing hormones, improving fertility, and increasing progesterone. It also even helps to balance out your skin by helping to fight acne. I know, I love geranium. And it's great for soothing irritated skin as well. Next is alang-alang and jasmine because might as well put them together because they are so beautiful. Although jasmine is one of my absolute favorite oils, hands down. Now, what I love about Ylang-ylang is it's a heart-focused oil. It's a powerful antidepressant, and jasmine's been shown to reduce depression in postpartum. They work to balance cortisol and the adrenals as as well to promote emotional balance, and they are great for helping to support fertility and hair growth, especially ylang-ylang. Next is cinnamon. Now, cinnamon, ooh, I love cinnamon. I love adding it to my tea. It's great for the fall and the holidays. You know, we are in the fall right this second. But cinnamon is also great at reducing insulin resistance. It supports blood sugar balance and even can help boost metabolism as well. I love, love cinnamon. Next is lavender. Now, lavender is by far... Hands down, one of the most popular oils out there. It's a jack-of-all-trades. It's a Swiss Army knife, and it's best known for promoting relaxation and relieving stress, but can also help with emotional balance and reducing anxious feelings as well. It is a home run for the entire family, but it also gets rid of unwanted hair, hair growth. It's a hormone balancer, and it can improve acne as well. So it's just a great oil all around for supporting the body. My other go-to favorites is tea tree oil for acne. I love peppermint, ginger, and fennel for gut support. I love peppermint, lemon, grapefruit, and cinnamon for blood sugar stabilization. You can make that in a little roller. All of these can be made in little rollers. And I've got tons of recipes inside of my books. And here are a couple recipes that I'm really excited to share with you. So the first one is my ovarian cyst relief roller blend. It's a 10 ml roller. It's eight drops of clary sage, no surprise there, six drops of frankincense, six drops of copaiba, and six to eight drops of peppermint. And you're going to top these beautiful oils off with fractionated coconut oil or whatever carrier oil you prefer and roll over the ovaries, the pelvic area, which is about three inches below the belly button. And I highly recommend using a castor oil pack and leaving the castor oil pack with the oils on, with the blend on overnight because castor oil is phenomenal at reducing inflammation and driving the oils deeper into the tissue. So it's amazing for PMS, PCOS, and endometriosis. My next blend is a progesterone boosting blend. It's also in a 10 ml roller. 
It is eight drops of clary sage, eight drops of thyme, and six drops of geranium. You're going to top it off with a carrier oil and apply it to the lower abdominal pelvic area and over the uterus, which again, three inches below the belly button, just swipe it all through and rub it in. And I would do that twice a day, exclusively during the luteal phase. After day 14, if you're having regular periods, if you're not, you can do it consistently throughout the month. If it's you're having irregular periods, consistent. If your periods are pretty regular, try to focus on the luteal phase because that's when we actually need progesterone. Progesterone isn't in the first phase of our cycle during the follicular phase. Lastly, my favorite blend, because again, we want to work on the root cause here, especially for the most common cause, which was insulin resistance PCOS. This is about loving your liver. Now, this is also in episode number 50, why loving your liver is phenomenal for hormone balance, but I want to give it to you here as well. In a 10 mil roller, it's two drops of rosemary, three drops of geranium, three drops of turmeric, seven drops of helichrysum or lavender if you don't have helichrysum, and seven drops of frankincense. This blend delivers. It's also phenomenal for reducing inflammation in general. Top it off with a carrier oil and apply every night with a castor oil pack if you can for best results. Castor oil packs are amazing at enhancing liver detoxification, reducing inflammation, and supporting liver metabolism. So those are all of my recommendations for... PCOS. I hope that this has been a really enlightening episode that you gained a lot from it and that you have wonderful treatments and recommendations. If you want to learn more about balancing your hormones, I definitely recommend checking out the Essential Oils Hormone Summit because, oh my gosh, that is where it is at. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. The next episode is going to be with my dear friend, Dr. Will Cole. We're going to go deeper into inflammation because let's be honest, it is the cause of all things going on in the body that we don't want. He is going to be talking about understanding inflammation in the body and discovering your individual food triggers. So what could be driving inflammation? Dr. Will Cole has got a new book coming out that I can't wait to talk about as well. So you're not going to want to miss the next episode. Until then, have an amazing day. 